0: Section nine of Birds and All Nature, volume four, number one, july eighteen ninety eight, recorded for LibriVox.org by Joe Brennan. The Prairie Hen Nuttall says that, choosing particular districts for residence, this species of grouse is far less common than its ruffed relative. It is often called Prairie Chicken and Pinnated Grouse, confined to dry, barren and bushy tracts of small extent these birds are in many places now wholly or nearly exterminated they are still met with on the grouse plains of new jersey on long island in parts of connecticut and in the island of martha's vineyard mr Nuttall was informed that they were so common on the ancient bushy site of the city of boston that laboring people or servants stipulated with their employers not to have the heath hen brought to the table oftener than a few times in the week they are still common in the western states but thirty years ago we saw vast numbers of them on the plains of kansas as there were no railroads then they could not be sent to market and were only occasionally eaten by the inhabitants the immense wheat-fields, which have been sown for a number of years past, have largely increased this species, where they assemble in flocks and are the gleaners of the harvest. Early in the morning, grouse may be seen flying everywhere, from one alone to perhaps a thousand together. They alight in the cornfields. Look, yonder comes a dozen. They will fly right over you. No, they swerve fifty yards to one side and pass you like bullets. Single out your bird, hold four feet in front of him, and when he is barely opposite, cut loose. Following the crack of the gun you hear a sharp whack as the shots strike, and you have tumbled an old cock into the grass. You have, of course, marked down as many of the birds as possible. Let them feed an hour, and then drive them up. They will rise very wild, and the only object in flushing them is to see them down where they will take their noonday siesta. On the prairies they are often shot from a wagon, the hunter remaining seated, so plentiful are they in remote districts. Near the towns very few are seen. The birds always seem to prefer the low ground in a field. They are rarely seen during the middle of the day, as they do not move about much. It is a fine sight to see a large flock of chickens rise on the wing and fly swiftly and steadily for several hundred yards. When they drop in the grass, they separate and run in every direction. Like the quail, in the inclemency of winter, they approach the barn, basking and perching on the fences, occasionally venturing to mix with the poultry in their repast, and are then often taken in traps. They feed on Buds and mast, sometimes leaves and the buds of the pine. In wintry storms they seek shelter in the evergreens, but in spring and summer they often roost on the ground in company. These birds begin pairing in March or April. Mr. Nuttall's account of this interesting period, see his handbook of Ornithology, Little Brown and Company, is as follows. At this time, the behavior of the male becomes remarkable. Early in the morning, he comes forth from his bushy roost and struts about with a curving neck, raising his ruff, expanding his tail like a fan, and seeming to mimic the ostentation of the turkey. He now seeks out or meets his rival, and several pairs at a time, as soon as they become visible through the dusky dawn, are seen preparing for combat. Previously to this encounter, the male, swelling out his throat, utters what is called a tooting, a ventroquial humming call to the female, three times repeated, and though uttered in so low a key it may yet be heard three or four miles on a still morning about the close of march on the plains of missouri we heard this species of grouse tooting or humming in all directions so that at a distance the sound might be taken almost for the grunting of the bison or the loud croak of the bullfrog while uttering his vehement call the male expands his neck pouches to such a magnitude as almost to conceal his head and blowing utters a low drumming bellow like the sound of katamboo katamboo, once or twice repeated, after which is heard a sort of guttural, squawking crow, or quack, quack, quack. In the intervals of feeding, we sometimes hear the male also cackling, or, as it were, crowing, like co-coo, coop-coop. While engaged in fighting with each other, the males are heard to utter a rapid, petulant cackle, something in the sound like excessive laughter the tooting is heard from daybreak till eight or nine o'clock in the morning as they frequently assemble at these scratching places as they are called ambuscades of bushes are formed around them and many are shot from these covers the nest is placed on the ground in the thick prairie grass and at the foot of bushes on the barren ground a hollow is scratched in the soil and sparingly lined with grass and feathers the nest is so well concealed that it is not often discovered. The eggs are from ten to twelve and of a plain brownish color. The female alone protects and attends the young, brooding them under her wings in the manner of the domestic fowl. The affectionate parent and her brood keep together throughout the season. End of section nine. This recording is in the public domain.